All right. Well, again, it's good to have you all uh, in the Lord's house this morning to worship Him. After all, that's the reason why we're here. And uh, like the song says, aren't we glad uh, to have Jesus? Uh, his birth is the reason why we celebrate, right? His His reason His His reason is the reason for this season. If it was without, without Him, we wouldn't have that uh, that season. Uh, this morning we're going to be in First Thessalonians chapter five, and as you turn there, I want to talk about uh, last week slightly. We talked about how to overcome Satan. Uh, we talked about those attacks of the devil. We talked about the attacks of the of the world and the devil and his minions, and we talked about how to be prepared and how to overcome that. And that was putting on the whole armor of God. And as we broke down what that whole armor of God was, we can see from Scripture that the devil attacks. The devil attacks when we least expect it. He wants to catch us off guard. He wants to, he wants to break our, uh, our testimony. He wants to put a wedge between us and God. He wants to lead us astray if he can. Uh, and he can, right, if we're not caught up in, in the whole armor of God. Today I want to talk about being watchful and what that means in a Christian's life or in a believer's life. Uh, you know, Scripture tells us that God uh, is going to send Jesus, that no one knows the time except for Him. And He is going to come as a thief in the night when we least expect it. We are not going to know when the time comes. You know, there, there's many smart people. And I'll, I'll use my famous air quotes out here. If you haven't seen this before, get used to it, because I tend to do that a lot for some reason. I don't really know why, but get used to it anyway. He sends, he, he sends out these people out here that go and say, we know <clears throat> when the coming of Christ is. Well, I'll tell you, one thing is guaranteed, and we are closer today than we was yesterday to the second coming of Christ. Amen? And He is going to come, and He is coming, but the world tends to become a little bit numb to it because for 2,000 years we've been saying Jesus is coming again. Jesus is coming again. And if you were here yesterday, you're one day closer to meeting Him. Amen? For some of us, that might be a good thing. For others, we might wish that we know Him just a little bit better. If you recall last week, we talked about that Satan and how he, how he puts those doubts in our mind. How he, 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 he tries to discourage us. He tries to lead us astray. He tells us all the reasons why his way is better. Like he told Eve in the garden, surely you won't die, but you'll be like little gods. He wants to give us this information to break our testimony. This morning, we're going to talk about how to be watchful and what that means. We're going to start out in <clears throat> chapter 5 of 1 Thessalonians, and I'm going to read through the entire chapter. So uh, if you're not warmed up, get warmed up. We're going to be there, and then we'll flip through a bunch of, uh, a bunch of other scriptures after that, like I always like to do. Chapter 5, starting in verse 1, says, But of the times and the seasons, brethren, you have no need that I write unto you. For yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so cometh as a thief in the night. Their scripture is telling us that you already know. Let us not forget. <laughs> as we celebrate the birth of Jesus, you know, this, in these coming weeks here, let us not forget that he is coming again. You already know. Verse 3 says, For when they shall say, Peace and safety, then sudden destruction cometh upon them, as travail upon a woman with child, and they shall not escape. But ye, brethren, are not in the darkness, that that day should overtake you as a thief. Ye are all the children of the light, and the children of the day are we are not of the night, nor of darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep as do others, but let us 
Watch and be sober, for they that sleep, sleep the night, and they that be drunken are drunken in the night. But let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love, and for a helmet the hope of salvation. For God hath not appointed us to wrath, but to to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, that whether we wake or sleep, we should live together with him. Wherefore, comfort yourselves together and edify one another, even also do ye do. Verse 12, And we beseech you, brethren, to know them which labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you, and to esteem them very highly in the love up for their work's sake, and be at peace among yourselves. Now we exhort you, brethren, warn them that are unruly, comfort them feeble-minded, support the weak, be patient toward all men, see that none render evil for evil unto any man, but every follow that which is good, both among yourselves and to all men, rejoice evermore, pray without ceasing, and everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ concerning you. Quench not the spirit, despise not the prophecies, prove all things, hold fast that which is good, abstain from all appearance of evil, and the very God of peace sanctify you wholly, and I pray God and whole. Uh, your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Faithful is he that called you who also will do it. Brethren, pray for us. Greet all the brethren with a holy kiss. I charge you by the Lord that if this epistle be read unto all the holy brethren, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Amen. Let's pray. <clears throat> Dear Heavenly Father, we just we thank you for this day, Lord. We thank you for the opportunity to be in your house, to uh, to read your scripture, to uh, worship you, to understand you, to celebrate not only the uh, the birth of Jesus Christ, but uh, the resurrection of Jesus Christ and the and the coming of Jesus Christ, Lord. Let us be found uh, waiting, be found watchful, uh, be found studying your word, Lord. We thank you for your Son Jesus. In His name, we pray. Amen. <clears throat> This uh, return of Jesus Christ is the, is the, or should be, the blessed hope of every Christian. And I say that because if, if we are not found hopeful in the return of Christ, we've got something wrong. We've got, we've got something broken in our fellowship with him. Second, or Titus 2.13 says, Looking for that blessed hope and that glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto himself a peculiar people zealous of good works, these things speak and exhort and rebuke with all authority. Let no man despise thee. As a Christian, we should be looking for that blessed hope. We should be looking for that glorious appearing of the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, we, as we talked about in Sunday school just a little bit, and uh, we tend to get caught up in the gray areas of the world. We get caught up in what's going on out there. We get caught up and we, we talked about football games or we talked about sports things. We talked about how many people go out there and they are cheering and celebrating for their favorite teams. Well, how many are cheering and, and celebrating for their Lord Jesus? Amen. We are quiet 
As Christians, we've become uh, less attended in church. And if you remember a, a couple of months ago, I preached a message on how the attendance from the 70s has dropped by 58% plus and growing. Churches are falling off the map, if you will. The doors are closing. People are not coming. Why? Well, we can watch it on TV. We can watch it on live feed. But I tell you what, some people may be faithful to it, but the majority of it, tend to fall off that also, right? They don't open the Bible as much as they used to. They don't fellowship as they must that, that they used to. And they certainly aren't looking forward to the return of Jesus Christ as they ought to. We are not standing on the rooftop shouting in Jesus' name. We're not preaching the gospel in the streets. We're not banging on doors anymore. Heaven forbid we get COVID or spread COVID or, or we show up on somebody's doorstep. The devil is putting all these little things out there. And I tell you what, we know who wins the battle, but he is winning right now. This, this hope, this hope should be for every believer. This glorious appearing of our Lord and Savior. As we discussed last week, the overcoming, we need to be prepared. So we put on that whole armor of God. Not just part. Remember when we talked about that? You can't go out there with just part. You can't go out there with your helmet of salvation and not wear your breastplate. You can't go out there with your breastplate and not have your sword. You can't go out there without your sword and not have your helmet or your, or your sandals, if you will, your, your steel-toed boots, if you will. You have to be dressed appropriately because your enemy, the devil, the adversary, seeks you as a roaring lion ready to pounce on every little crack that he can get. Every little inch that you give him is one step closer to separating you from the will of God, where God wants you to be. And as the, as the world gets gray and that gray area gets bigger, we find little cracks that we become comfortable in. And, and I tell you what, it's leading a lot of people astray. So the Bible tells us, God's word tells us, Jesus tells us to be watchful, to be ready, because he is coming again. He is coming as a thief in the night. There are going to be people in the, in the field. One will be taken. One will be left behind. That's how quick it's going to happen. And if you're here today, you're one day closer. You know, I used to tell people, I'm one day closer to retirement. Amen? Well, we are one day closer to Jesus' return. You know, people have put these stamps on there, and they've, they've written articles and said, boy, look at the signs. Look at the signs. Jesus is coming. Well, he is, but you don't know when. It could be now. It could be before we finish this message. It might be another hundred years. It might be another thousand years. But Jesus is coming. Are you ready? Are you ready? Back in our text in uh, 1 Thessalonians 5, 1 says, but the, times of the, uh, but of the time and the season, brethren, ye have no need that I write unto you, for yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so cometh as a thief in a night. This tells us that we know that he's coming, that his return is imminent. We know that he's coming because he tells us he's coming. Some take that idea of the Lord that, uh, that the Lord so comes as a thief in the night to mean that nothing can or should be uh, known about God's plan for the future. But Paul indicates that definitely know that they, that they know he's coming, but they don't know the time that he's coming. That we are to be watchful in that time because it could be any time. Now, can you imagine... Could you imagine you're at church here today, you're worshiping God, your heart is pure, and Jesus shows up. Amen? 
What a blessing that would be. Now, could you imagine if you're watching your favorite football team and you got a beer in your hand and Jesus shows up? I guarantee you're not going to have that same happiness at that moment in time. Now, think about that as you leave here today and where you go and what you do. Now, I'm not telling you not to go out there and do certain things, but I'm telling you, but if Jesus comes at that point in time, are you going to be happy with yourself at that point in time? Jesus tells us to be watchful. That's not just on Sunday morning when you're at church. That's all times is to be watchful because we don't know when he's coming. But you know who's watching? <laughs> if we think about him watching all the time, we ought to be a little bit more careful about where we go and what we do and what we say and what we think and what's in our hearts a lot of times. Paul was not one of those who set dates in regards to prophecy, and Jesus forbade setting dates, as he said to uh, uh, he said that no man knoweth the day or the time or the hour. Uh, turn over to Matthew chapter twenty-four. We're going to be back here, so keep your place there. Matthew chapter twenty-four and verse number thirty-six. <clears throat> Matthew 24 and verse 36 says, But of that day and hour knoweth no man, no, not the angels of heaven, but my Father only. So Jesus explained to these folks here, as they try and put time stamps on stuff, that no one knows. The angels don't even know. Jesus don't even know. The Father is the only one that knows. And someday he's going to tell Jesus, go back and get my kids. Go back and get my faithful servants, my faithful followers. Go get them. What will we be found doing? God intended this day to be unexpected, but he wants his people to be prepared for the expected. See, the unexpected is a day that he's coming, but the expected is that he is coming. That is the fact. We know that he is coming. God's word tells us over and over that Jesus is coming again. Through the, through the time, the date, only God knows he believes he intends them to be prepared, to be watchful. For this word watchful is important to us, at least it ought to be. Not to say that we're going to see some flyby thing happen and we're going to miss the boat, but to have our hearts prepared for when he is coming. Our minds are to be prepared, and most certainly our souls are to be prepared for that coming of Jesus to come and get us and take us home. Our souls are to be prepared. Look, you can, you can be the best person that you can be. You can be the most educated person that you're going to be. You can be the most giving person that you're going to be. But if your soul hasn't accepted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, it doesn't matter. When he comes again, you'll be the one left standing. That may hurt your feelings, and I apologize, but I'd rather hurt your feelings and see you grab a hold of Jesus and say, take me with you, than to be stuck on your own prideful way and not go to heaven. The Thessalonians knew, and they had been taught, that they couldn't know the day of Jesus' return. That day would remain unknown, and, and they would come to a surprise as a thief in the night. You see, a thief in the night don't knock on your door and say, hey, I'll be here at midnight. Uh, see you then. That thief in the night breaks on in when you're least expecting it, when you're sleeping, when you're away, or when you're drunk and not paying attention to what's going on. That is when the thief of the night comes. He comes when, he, when you least prepare because he don't want to get caught. Jesus, Jesus criticized those religious leaders of his day because they could not discern the signs of time. They wanted, to, they wanted to say, here's these signs. Look at what's going on. Turn over to Matthew chapter 16. Matthew <clears> chapter 16. 
Matthew 16, starting in verse number 1. Matthew 16, verse 1 says, The Pharisees also with the Sadducees came and tempted, desired him that he would show them a sign from heaven. And he answered and said unto them, When it is evening, ye say, it will be fair weather, for the sky is red. And in the morning it will be foul weather today, for the sky is red and lowering. O ye hypocrites, ye can discern the face of the sky, but ye cannot discern the signs of times. See, they tried to put on these signs. They tried to have Jesus prove signs. God's word is proof enough for me that says he's coming again. God's word tells us. Jesus Christ tells us. He says, if I go, I'm coming back. Right? If he's coming back, we should be watchful for his return. That should be the most important thing in our lives, to be found watchful, to be found waiting. Because we have something better to go to. You know, we put so much stock in what goes on in the world out here and, and the short-time pleasures of the world out here. We, we often become numb to what's ahead, that glory that's ahead of us. Over the years, many people have tried to predict the return or predict, predict the future, saying that the end times are near. If you've been around for a while, you've probably seen some of these things, that the world's going to end on this day. I remember Y2K. Boy, the world was coming in on Y2K. Who was around for that? I, I remember that like yesterday. Y2K's coming. The world's coming to an end, right? Well, it didn't end very fast. <laughs> it may still be ended, amen. But we remember that people were predicting the end of times are coming. It's the end of the world as we know it. Over the years, many people try. The one thing that I will agree with, that the end of times are most definitely closer today than they were yesterday. The truth is, whether or not he comes today, or a hundred years from now, or a thousand years from now, our hearts should be prepared, and it ought to be ready for him, and that there is to be rejoiced. We are to rejoice in just simply knowing that he is coming again. While we should be interested in the uh, prophetic details of the second coming of doctrine, our focus should be on the Lord Jesus Christ himself. And our relationship with him. And our fellowship with him. Our most important concern should be the eager expectation that the Lord himself is coming again for his children. Paul spoke of the reward uh, of those who love his appearing. Turn over to 2 Timothy. Chapter 4. And verse number four. <clears throat> we'll back up here to verse number three. It says, For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust shall they heap to themselves teaching having itchy ears, and they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned into fables. And I'm going to stop right there just for a second because you think about what's, what this is saying and you think about what's going on in the world today. You think about uh, all those little, uh, little areas that the devil has gotten into some of these places. They've gotten into some of these churches. He's gotten into some of these, these larger places that I won't even call a church anymore because they're not preaching the word of God. They're trying to fill the attendance up with people. So is the football game, right? 
Verse number three, so the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. That means they don't want to hear the truth. They won't understand the truth because they don't care to know the truth. Look, if, you, if you've been going someplace that's not preaching Jesus Christ's return, that Jesus Christ died on the cross for your sins, that Jesus Christ is coming again for his, for his children, for his brethren, for his people, then you shouldn't be going there because they're not preaching the truth. A time is coming when they won't endure sound doctrine. Well, that time is then, that time was now, and that time is probably still coming when people are turning away from the gospel. If the churches have, have broken apart, have declined their attendance over the last last 50 years we're in this time to say that he's coming back tomorrow i won't tell you that but he could (laughs) are you watchful verse number five but watch thou in all things endure inflictions do the work of the evangelist make full proof of thy ministry for i am now ready to be offered at the time of my departure is at hand i have fought a good fight i have finished my course i have kept the faith Henceforth, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at the day, and not to me only, but unto all them also that love his appearing. Amen? That is something that we can have to look forward to. Not just glory, but we will have that crown of righteousness to lay at the feet of Jesus Christ when he comes and gets us. We should live a holy life, not from the fear of punishment at his return, because of the deep love for him, longing for his, com- his coming, his return. We should abide in him that, that when he appears, we have that confidence, and we are not ashamed for his return. We are not ashamed in his coming. John, 1 John 2.28 says, And now, little children, abide in him that when he shall appear... This is when he shall appear. We may have confidence and not be ashamed before him at his coming. You know, in your life, you probably have some things that you're not so proud of. I know I have. I know there's a lot of things that I've done growing up that I'm not so fond about, have made some of those bad decisions in life. But I know that if I laid those at the feet of Jesus Christ, I laid those at the cross, that he is just to forgive me. What will you be found doing? Verse number six back in our text says, Therefore, let us not sleep as others do, but let us watch and be sober. Verse seven, For they that sleep, sleep in the night, and they that be drunken are drunken in the night. Let us, uh, But let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love, and for the helmet, the hope of salvation. Amen. That hope of salvation. You know, you can know without a shadow of a doubt, that you're saved, and that your eternal home is with Jesus, that you have that salvation. You can know that without, without delay. You can have that joy in knowing that because of that salvation, that Jesus is coming again for you. Paul used these images of a soldier's army to illustrate the idea of the watchfulness. A soldier is a good example of someone who must watch and be sober as he equipped to do so with his armor. We can compare this uh, description that we're talking about here in in Thessalonians with that which we talked about last week in Ephesians chapter 6. And even though they're not an exact correlation, this indicates that Paul saw the idea of this spiritual armor, if you will, as helpful. 
helpful as we prepare against the attacks of the devil and as we prepare for the second coming of Jesus Christ. That hope of salvation represents as a helmet because the helmet protects that head, uh, which is essential as, uh, as the breastplate. And hope isn't used in the sense of wishful thinking, but in the sense and the confidence about the expectation that Jesus is coming again. You know, last week I told you, uh, we talked a lot about the military and having served in the military and others who served in the military. Who can pop off those 11 general orders? Anybody still remember those? (laughs) I can't remember them all either. But I remember in boot camp, I knew those 11 general orders very well. I'll read them to you and uh, just to jog some memories for those. General rule number one, to take charge of this point and all government property in view, to walk my post in a military manner, keeping always on alert. And I remember that one the, the most because that one was the one that I got nailed for. Uh, keeping always on alert and observing everything that takes place within sight or hearing. Number three, to report all violations of orders I am instructed to enforce, to repeat all calls from posts more distance from the guardhouse than my own, to quit my post only when properly relieved. Christian, have you quit your post? Because I tell you what, if Jesus hasn't come yet, we haven't been properly relieved. Number six, to receive, obey, and pass on to the sentry who relieves me all orders from the commanding officer, officer of the day, officers and non-commissioned officers of the guard only, to talk to no one except in the line of duty, to give the alarm in case of fire and disorder, to call the corporal of the guard in any case not covered by instructions, to salute off officers in all colors as standards not case, to be especially watchful at night, And during the time for challenging, to challenge all persons on or near my post and to allow no one to pass without proper authority. You see, these these general orders were rules to help us. They were guiding rules for the sentry, uh, for those that were standing duty or standing watch at nighttime. They were given instructions. We are given instructions. Like the military general orders, we're given these simple rules, these simple examples to a follow. Let's drop back down in our text here in verse number 16 in uh, Thessalonians. It says, rejoice evermore. Think about this as being your military general order, to rejoice evermore. Not only rejoicing in the happy times, but also in sorrowful times. The Christian can rejoice only because their joy isn't necessarily based just on the personal circumstance that they're going to, but their joy is in God. Their joy is in their, and their circumstances can change, but God doesn't change. So knowing that we can rejoice forevermore is because we know where we're going to spend eternity. Amen? 2 Corinthians 6 says, As sorrowful, yet always rejoicing. As poor, yet making many rich. As having nothing, and yet possessing all things. Verse number 17 says, To pray without ceasing. Well, I don't know about you, but to be humped over praying is probably you find very difficult. But that prayer is that conversation with God, that fellowship that you have with God. You know, we don't need to beat on our chest and, and, and make weird signs pointing up to the air and be in deep conversation and meditation with God to have a conversation with Him. We can do that while we're driving. We can do that while we're walking. We can do that before and while we're eating. We can do that whatever we're doing. We can have 
this prayer. We can have this, this fellowship. We can have this conversation with God in time for need. It says we are to pray without ceasing. Christians are to pray continually. Prayer is that communication that we have with God. We can live each minute of each day in consistent and constant flowing conversation with God who gave his only begotten son to die on the cross for our sins. Ephesians 6, 18 says, pray always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit and watching thereunto, there's that word watching, watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplications for all his saints. We are to be watchful. And then verse number 18 in our text, in everything give thanks, everything give thanks, for this is the will of God. In Christ Jesus concerning you. We are to give thanks in everything. Recognizing the, that God is in charge. That his will and his will alone will be done. You know, we, we, can, be, we can be sad and missing people. Uh, this morning I had uh, talked to my wife here. I would looked up a buddy on Facebook that I hadn't seen in many years. And I'd, we went to a very small school where we had 125 kids from 7th grade to 12th grade. I had 13 in my graduating senior class. We were pretty small, right? So you knew pretty much every kid in that school. There was only 125 of us, so it wasn't hard to get around. Well, I read this morning that one of those had passed away. Didn't even know it, but one of those had passed away. You know, our time, our life is but a vapor. I can't tell you if she was saved or not saved. I haven't seen her in 20 years, 30 years, 40 years. Heck, I don't even know how long it's been now. It's been a while. been a while. But our time can change. But we can give thanks if we know where they're going. If you don't know where you're going, might I challenge you today to come find out, to be sure. You know, we, for those that are saved, we often uh, can rejoice in that salvation. But what about our immediate family members? What about our, our, our kids and our grandkids? And what about our neighbors and our friends? Those people that we're the most intimate with. Those ones that we can talk about the football game with. The ones that we can complain about our jobs with. Do they know that you're saved? Do you know if they are? That ought to be a question for every Christian. The people that you fellowship with. Do you know where they're going to spend eternity? Have you shared within the gospel of Jesus Christ? Because the most important day of our lives is coming soon. And that is that return of Jesus. Some will be found watching. Others will be found wanting. And they'll wish that they could have that do-over. And you know what? We may wish that we had a do-over that we could have told them. Verse 27 says, I charge you by the Lord that this epistle be read to the all holy brethren. Paul used a strong phrase here. It is important that this epistle, uh, this epistle be read to every Christian. Why do you think Paul wanted this epistle read to every Christian? Because he didn't want the people of his time or the people of future time to distort that message. Paul wrote this message and says, you need to read this to every brethren. You need to read this to scripture to every Christian, to every person that they can rejoice every more. They can pray without ceasing. They can be thanks and give thanks in everything. Why? Because Jesus is coming again. So how do we prepare? We watch. We rejoice every more. We pray without ceasing. And everything, give thanks. God bless you.